Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Hello everyone, welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla, and today our special guest is Adam Siegel. Adam is the CEO and co-founder of Cove, C-O-V-E, Cove. Welcome to the show, Adam, thank you for joining us. Awesome, thanks for having me, Adam. Of course, so as I mentioned, I like the audience to get to know you a little better personally. Are you from around the DMV area or mm -hmm. where are you from originally? No, I grew up in uh, the Boston area. Um, and I uh, went to undergraduate in Massachusetts and then uh, but I've lived in D.C., D.C. proper since um, 20, 2012, this go around. Um, and I was there a little bit before after undergrad. But, yeah, love the love the area and have made it home. And, um, yeah, definitely a proud resident of DMV. Awesome. OK, but, but I'm sure you're still a Celtic fan and you're still rooting for all the Boston teams, though, right? <laughs> yeah, sure. Absolutely. But it is fun to see the, the Wizards have always been fun, although I haven't tracked them much lately. But yeah, no, I'm fortunate that Boston has some great teams. Um, DC has some great teams. They're just not as successful necessarily. But uh, that is true. It's fun to be in a sports market, of course. By the way, Adam, how, how do you feel about, I know it's old news, but uh, with the Brady move? Oh, yeah, it was, I, I think Brady proved <laughs> some interesting things with that move to Tampa and then winning it. So, uh, yeah, I think we miss him for sure. We miss the winning more than anything. But uh, it's pretty awesome to see that he, he continues to win. I, I know it's off topic, but were you upset as far as when he left New England? No, I think there's a, I think there's a moment in time where, you know, it makes sense. It seemed to be that, I, you know, not living in the area, it's hard to see what the, you know, the local take on it is. Um, but I think for the, for the Pats moving forward, it'd be great for them to find uh, – kind of a new franchise quarterback. They're still kind of searching for that. Sure. Uh, but I think Tom Brady definitely proved that, uh, that he's, he's a great quarterback. And so we had the benefit of it for, I don't know, almost 20 years, some ridiculous number. So uh, I don't think of anyone in Boston fans and Patriots fans can't complain. Okay. Um, speaking about the Boston topic and everything, how were you growing up in Boston? What were you into? What were your interests? <clears throat> Uh, yeah, I was pretty sports minded, um, played a number of different sports growing up, obviously a big, uh, Red Sox fan. That's probably my number one thing in Celtics secondary, uh, used to, in, as a teenager, I worked at Fenway park, actually selling Cokes up and down the aisle. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think it's a great place. You know, it's, we have the benefit of, you know, see, strong seasons. So it's always fun when you get a lot of snow during the winter, especially as a kid. Um, and I think Boston was, uh, yeah, had a lot of benefits. DC, you know, it's, all, it's more temperate in DC, which makes it 
nicer on an annual basis, but it's also fun being from Boston and being able to have experienced kind of those pretty crazy winters growing up. Was that your first job at Fenway Park? Yeah, you had to be 13 to legally work. Uh, and I started when I was 13. So you can only work day games. You couldn't work night games until you, I think you were 16. Okay. Uh, but yeah, so I started as 13-year-old selling Cokes. Okay, interesting. And then from there, you said you also went to school in Boston or the Boston area, right? Yeah, uh, Western Mass Amherst College. So if you're familiar with Massachusetts, take Route 9 out a couple hours and uh, you hit uh, a, a great town, Amherst, uh, Amherst Mass and small school um, with a, a lot of other New England small schools that are around it. Um, but yeah, had, a, had an enjoyable, uh, enjoyable tenure there. What did you major there? I was a political science and black studies major. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, what, what made you choose that? Uh, I think, you know, I always had an interest in the political spectrum and the political landscape and the, they had a, a major um, black studies, which kind of incorporated literature, history, and some other uh, multidisciplinary in that sense. And uh, just gravitated towards it and kind of enjoyed the mashup of the two. Um, so it was double major in those. Well, with PolySci, definitely the DC area is the place to be. Yeah, yeah, no, it's uh, it definitely is. I'm you know not politically involved anymore, but uh, is except I do vote as everyone should uh, if they feel inclined to. Um, but yeah, so it's funny, uh, not funny, but interesting working for uh, a startup in a very political you know political environment like DC. So it's kind of a uh, I'm not in the, it's not my day-to-day, -day, the political side of things, but obviously for a lot of people it is, and it's fun to be around without necessarily being in it. Yeah. So once you you finished your undergrad there in Massachusetts, what, what was next for you? Yeah, I moved to DC, spent a few couple of years in, um, uh, in education consulting and research. Uh, and then thereafter went back to school, um, to business school and to, uh, and then eventually to public policy school. Um, so it was at Northwestern, um, Kellogg, their business school, and then uh, Kennedy School, Harvard's public policy school. And um, yeah, so, and then ultimately moved back to DC and started Cove. Though those are public policy, political science, totally different than when Cove is. Actually, this might be a, a great time if you can explain to the audience, what is Cove? Yeah, uh, great. So yeah, we, um, it, it is, it is for sure. So, uh, but in the, in the same respect, we always started Cove with a very localized component and very oriented around the communities that they were in. We started by building neighborhood workspaces with this strong technology component. Um, so people could pull it up, see where a different Cove location was, reserve a seat um, for working, um, see uh, reserve a seat next to particular people, pop into other locations, and you weren't tied to any specific desk. You were just a member. Um, and so uh, there's very localized to the neighborhoods in which they were located. And over the past few years, we've taken that same platform and worked with uh, owners of commercial office and multifamily residential and unlocked that very consumer driven tech enabled experience for, um, for tenants and residents. So it's been a lot of fun to kind of apply our product and our approach to uh, just different environments, but all with the same objective of a great technology experience and great service and really just bringing people to the forefront in a way to optimize not only where you work, but also where you live.
That's great. Adam, so right after finishing your master's, is that when you immediately started Cove or did you do other things prior to that, prior to Cove? Uh, no, yeah. I wrote the business plan for Cove actually in, my, in that public policy degree uh, and then um, met my co-founder, uh, Jeremy Scott, who uh, is, uh, was getting his PhD at the time in computer science. And um, he eventually dropped out to work on Cove, but we always had technology core to everything we thought about. And um, yeah, we, we went at it and uh, learned how to build a business in real time and, you know, get some ups, you get some downs and just an enjoyable experience and look back on kind of that time and where we are now and where we're going very fondly and excited about what's next. That, that, that's great. You mentioned that's where you build your business plan when you were in school there. What, what made you even think about Cove or, or even going this route and this type of business model? Yeah, uh, I think two things. One, I wasn't a great employee in general. And so I, 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 I thought it was the job, but I think it was me more than anything else. And so I took a class in, um, in entrepreneurship and kind of got uh, insight into what that was. And that's where I wrote the, my, the, the original business plan. Um, and at the same time, I, um, I also worked in, as I noted, I wasn't a great employee. I'd worked in investment banking that summer prior in infrastructure finance, which is more public oriented in terms of building infrastructure projects. But it, uh, it further solidified how I wasn't a great employee. And so I kind of went on the opposite end of the spectrum, wrote this business plan and was excited to to kind of start something. Didn't know what that meant exactly. Uh, Harvard had an incubator system, went through that and applied for it. Um, and then came out of it and said, hey, I'm gonna give myself 12 months. Um, didn't, you know, I, I believe I stayed at home for that year. And um, so I wasn't incurring costs. And yeah, just worked on the plan, kind of operationalizing it and then um, raised some seed money and, and got started. You know, sometimes, not all the times, but day one, when the company's founded, looks much different from day wherever we are now. Was day one, is this what you had in mind? Or how did it start as far as what services and products you were offering to the public compared to now? Yeah, I think, I think it started out of a personal need, which was combined with our general philosophy on where the market was going, which was with technology, you can work in a lot of places. You don't need to be in a centralized office anymore. And so how can you provide places for people to work more localized? They can walk 10 minutes as opposed to commute 30 minutes or drive an hour. Um, and that came from a personal pain point, having been in an office, not really enjoying that experience. And then having worked from home for a year, uh, realizing that, that it's just very isolating. So I found myself gravitating towards more social environments like coffee shops, mm -hmm. but they're not designed nor intended to be workspaces, but society and mar the market has kind of repurposed a lot of them. So you go into a Starbucks and a lot of people are on their laptops. Um, and that's because of technology and the ability to work from wherever, but not necessarily having anywhere to work. Uh, so I think that was the premise or the, 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 the challenge we were solving for in kind of where we saw the market going. Where we are today, I think, is, is still in the same world of how do you just make work a better experience? And we do that through our technology and service and, and the people that kind of revolve around Cove and the ownerships we support. The distributed nature is still related to it in terms of giving people more choice, putting that experience in people's hands. Um, I think the office is an incredible place and has an incredible amount of value and it's going to be optimized for in the future and the way in which we interact. But as a standalone place just for a desk, it's, it's, it's less valuable. 
And so how can we as Cove and an organization work with forward thinking owners to optimize for that value and create a great work experience. So when you do go to the office, you're super excited and it adds a ton of value to your day. And for some people that may be one day a week, for other people, maybe five, but giving people that choice and making more of a consumer product and putting people, tools in the hands of people to unlock that for them. Right. When you started back then, so what was the basic model? Was it, okay, I'm it, sort of co-working space going into an office building setting or what, what was it? How did, how has it, yeah. I understand. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was retail space. So former okay. restaurants, former gyms, um, converted into workspaces and you, uh, and you just walked in off the street essentially. Okay. And you had a membership plan. We started originally by the hour. It was as flexible as you possibly could be where you'd pre-purchase hours and, um, they ranged from like two to $3 an hour. And it came included with things like coffee and printing and then ultimately moved to more of a, a membership model, a uh, monthly membership. It's modestly priced. Our plans start at like $99 now to give you nights and weekends access um, on up to, I think, $200, $250, which gives you access to um, any location. Um, but that was from the Cove branded, um, that's from the Cove branded uh, workspaces. In terms of the ownership, the places in which we support uh, either run, owner run works or owner, um, owner controlled workspaces or their buildings that's up to our partners and we just enable whatever experience or solution from our menu of offerings that they want to create so we customize them based off of what, what is your asset what are your objectives and then how can we help you obtain those objectives from a technology and service perspective i understand so before you would come to let's say a mixed-use building whether it's a office on top or multi-family you would go into the ground floor uh, retail and it might have been, maybe it's a vanilla shell box, or maybe it's, it was a former coffee shop. Your preference was to go into a vanilla shell box and have a blank canvas, or was it hopefully find a former restaurant, coffee shop, leave some of that infrastructure, former infrastructure in place, and then work from around there? Or? Yeah, uh, yeah, totally site-specific. I think we always kept elements of whatever was there. Um, for example, in, in our DuPont location, it was... Uh, a, Benetton, a form of Benetton turned G-Star Raw, I believe, and right on Connecticut Ave. And we kept the changing rooms as call boxes. So ah. we're definitely trying to work, basically demoed most everything else, okay. um, but kept some elements um, in terms of kind of like the, what was cool about the prior space and what we wanted to retain and kind of added a cool element. It was like wood paneled um, to the kind of the overall look and feel. But then obviously from there, creating an optimized work experience around that. Okay. I like that. So it sounds like, are you doing both now as far as your own and then also helping landlords if they want to implement something like this? Yeah. By and large, you know, th for us, things have been shut down over the past uh, 12 or 12, 13 months. So we haven't operated any of our own spaces over that time. Uh, there are examples of buildings being open, but you know, in general offices very lightly used, but we're still mm -hmm. supporting companies and our clients and ownership in the way that's most appropriate for them and for that specific asset. Um, but, but yeah, so moving forward, we'll be, we're rolling out our software in a number of different markets, um, not necessarily physically us on site, but kind of unlocking that experience from a technological perspective so people can do it on their own and just giving that, uh, giving that kind of tech enabled offering to uh, tenants to create more of a modernized experience. Um, so we'll be in a, ton, a, a number of different markets, which is super exciting for us. 
Um, but yeah, they're rolling out Q1, Q2 and, and beyond. So um, yeah, so it's been a lot of fun for us uh, in spite of some tough times on the, on the, from a societal perspective and things are being shut down. I think it's, it's going to be interesting when things reopen in a, in a more formalized fashion and how do you create a better experience around real estate and layering in a layer of technology and kind of giving that, that data and that access to users before they even get there. And now that you mentioned this, um, COVID, how, you know, the pandemic, how has it affected one, both your own locations and then two, the ones for you're working with ownership? What are you saying? Yeah, it, yeah in, our, in our own locations, it's tough because people are, you know, forced to work from the home by and large. Um, some people want to, and, but not necessarily anyone wants to work there all the time. So we can't provide a service that we know is valuable right now based off of the current health environment. Um, but at the same time, you, you know, we, we closed and I think it was March 12th of 2020 and we just knew you know, it didn't make sense. Um, and in terms of, uh, uh, sorry, the, the other question was on the ownership side in mm -hmm. terms of how those have done. Yeah, I think, you know, it's just everything's a different world right now um, in terms of actual use. But I think it's opening people the eyes or opening people's eyes to how they can use technology and innovation to think through what is a hybrid workspace? What does it mean to work hybrid? So I think it's going to be really interesting. We're at an interesting nexus of workplace and people and technology and office and all of these things kind of getting combined, which um, when there's such uncertainty, it creates a lot of opportunity for people, uh, especially as people are looking to innovate. And so I think we're, we have a lot of experience and data and understanding of kind of that workflow or that work experience. And so uh, we're super excited about kind of how the future of work is gonna be, what it's gonna be really for the employee as well, and just a lot of choice and flexibility. And then how we can be a part of that story, not only from the user experience, but also the people who own the assets and wanna create this environment and these modern future, uh, future of work opportunities. So I think we're really excited about what's going on from a work perspective and kind of where we fit into that. Do, do you see your, do you see, I guess, the conversation with ownership saying that, I don't know, before, I, I don't know an example, what would be a typical average footprint? How many square feet would an office landlord have for this model allocated to this particular asset and building? Yeah, I mean, I, I think our average is, yeah, I mean, a couple hundred thousand square feet is a typical uh, building. And so we'll power the whole building from a technology perspective. Mm -hmm. If you want to layer in some of the flex that's all up to the individual asset and what it can support and, you know, what's the rent role and how are you thinking through the building and the offering as it relates to the existing tenancy and kind of how, how you see it moving forward. So I think there's no, there's no clear answer. I think it's really so asset specific and, and, you know, there's no one size fits all. Mm -hmm. I think what is clear is the notion of amenities and amenitizing buildings and how do you leverage common areas to just create a better experience and use technology to overlay that and then start to think in terms of tenants as, as users, right? And not just like leaseholders that have a bond um, and kind of paying you on a, on a monthly basis, but really they're, you know, how can you optimize their experience? And so I think when you, you kind of get to a better middle ground, when you, when you think in terms of the user experience and how can you solve for that, not only from an ownership perspective, but also on a day-to-day -day operations perspective. I see. How many locations did you did Cove personally have? Um, we've had like twenty something in in total, I believe. We've opened 
at, at right, right prior to pandemic, I think we had six. Mm -hmm. So we'd started with, when we first got started, everything was on a very short term basis as we were understanding the behaviors, the model, the location. Um, and so we would open, maybe it wasn't quite 20, but we opened locations and then a year later closed them if they, mm -hmm. if they were too small or too big or, excuse me, not in the right neighborhood. And well, the great part, it's kind of trying, how do you innovate in real estate? It's hard, right? You have these fixed assets and you have these leases and this furniture and all these things that make it really challenging. So this was our way of like learning in real time and innovating. And so we knew that we'd open a location and we'd try to pop up another one nearby so that our membership would be happy regardless. So, you know, we were fortunate to have great and loyal members. Um, but if the location didn't optimize for the business or the experience, then we would close it. Um, so yeah, so we opened a number of locations and the ones that we had prior to pandemic were all great and kind of like in the vein of what we'd want to see. Um, and yeah, I encourage people uh, to check one out if they, if, if they kind of want to see when things open up, not now, unfortunately. Um, but it is, uh, it's kind of a very, it's a, it's a fluid way to work and a fluid way to think about kind of your work experience and how do you layer in home, maybe a downtown office, but also a, a more of a third place, you know, uh, whether it's at a cove or even a coffee shop or somewhere else, mm -hmm. just giving you, giving yourself that variety. is really important. Were, were all of these locations, the 20 you had, uh, all in DC metro area? Yeah, we also had um, three in Boston, one, one prior to pandemic, two that we'd closed, one that was a combined with a coffee shop actually, which was cool where Jerry and I had actually, Jeremy, my co-founder actually written some of the plan for Cove and then oh. eventually came back and put a Cove in it, which was cool as part of the coffee shop. Um, but yeah, so in Boston and then otherwise, no, we didn't open our own location in Virginia. Um, I mean, sorry, in Maryland, we are working with uh, an ownership group, Rubenstein Partners is a great uh, partner of ours and we have a location with them in Rockville, Maryland, 2600 Tower Oaks and we've worked uh, directly in hand with them and support kind of their vision for creating a great walk-in moment. So it's awesome. You walk in, it's like a coffee shop. We built and power the coffee shop um, and just like a great experience. And so we've kind of leveraged a lot of our learnings to how we can apply that to the office environment and finding the right type of the right owners that want to want to think in terms of creating that experience. Um, but yeah, by and outside of that, that was all DC and a couple very few actually in Virginia. So maybe only uh, one or two, uh, everything else was in DC proper. I see. Um, you, you mentioned at one point when you were wrapping up, you had about 20 locations and you would close them, open them just to test out and see the demand, how, how easy or difficult it was to sort of present this concept to owners, to landlords who may not have been used to something like this, especially on a short-term basis. Yeah, it, it is. I think, I think there's, you know, obviously in real estate, people are looking for longer term lease and to kind of lock to, you know, from an accountability perspective, I think if you're willing to put in some of your own, a little bit more of your own capital, then it creates a lot more opportunity to shorten lease length. And so on the retail side, um, we were yeah, able to do one, two or three year deals, I believe, uh, on a pretty consistent basis. And, you know, it's not the ideal structure for ownership, but at the end of the day, it's, if it models outright, then, you know, it, it can work. And it's also a great use of space. It's not heavy on the footprint. It's not like a restaurant, which cars, you know, really massive uh, infrastructure change and has lasting impact. So I think generally we, we worked, uh, we, we have kind of a, 
we we had a kind of a, a good model for that. And I think it's very applicable moving forward, especially as people are going to be thinking about more localized work. That's true, because I, I come across that with many landlords, for example, uh, I'm working right now at a retail uh, space and um, I'm working with an event space and they have multiple locations. This will be another one and looking to just test out the market wants to do a one year as is deal for retail. And, you know, ownership was open to it, which is not your typical retail deal, as you know, typical average five years, 10 plus. Sure. Um, but then now the tenant has to think about just my sign alone is going to be a couple thousand dollars. And, you know, if, if I need to retrofit the space. So just for a one year lease, um, it made some, some, some retailers, not retailers, some businesses may be willing just sure. to test out the model and see if it's going to work or not there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot. It's true. It's, it becomes costly. We did a lot of sweat work. Um, so we do a lot of our own construction in the beginning or at least like upgrades. Um, some awesome uh, Robbie Goldsberry is one of our, or was our first employee. Uh, we would, yeah, we would, we'd get in and really dig in on it. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of, it's definitely a lot of effort and more costly relative to if you do a 10 year, you know, a longer term lease and you have a, a lot more money to play with from that perspective. So it's this notion of like, yeah, how do you bootstrap effectively, but still get the right product. So you get enough of a test to see if this is right. And like, how can you iterate on it to make it feel better? And, but it's hard in real estate. And, and that's a lot of time, like that one year, you know, do that one year deal, like you're describing is can take a lot of effort from the company. Right. And like, um, and it, it can create a lot of value, but also be like, Oh wow, what just happened? excuse me, at the end of the year, if it didn't work and, uh, or didn't get the outcomes you want, hopefully you learned enough that you can replicate in the next one. But, uh, but yeah, it takes a certain, I think, mentality and willingness to be like, yeah, that didn't work great, but we learned enough to then go do the next one. Yeah, definitely. Well, what would you say drives you and motivates you, Adam? Uh, what drives and motivates me? Uh, I'm definitely curious as a person, I think. Um, I love working with our team and kind of the curiosity that I see in others as well. And so how can I be a part of that and be as best of a support in general, in, in terms of people exploring not only their interests, but they're exploring how they can apply that to what we're doing at Cove. Um, so, yeah, I think what motivates me is just uh, every day having a, have a, having a singular focus around what we're doing and kind of the people we work with and our internal team and just, how do you optimize to have a, an enjoyable and, and kind of not only, not necessarily fun, but very like productive. Uh, I, I really like to have uh, a strong focus on productivity from our output perspective and kind of my own day and our team's day. And so if we do that and everyone seems to be engaged and enjoying themselves, it feels like a pretty good day. You mentioned your team just now. Is most of your team remotely or? Yeah, now everyone's... Most everyone's remote right now, except for a couple of locations that we're operating. Okay. They've done it closed or open from on the ownership side. Um, but we have, you know, we have, a, we have a fairly big product team. So we have developers in Colorado or all across the country. Um, we just hired some new people, I think, in uh, yeah, different markets. So we're, we're pretty agnostic from that, uh, especially now. Uh, but we do want to think, you know, we're excited to think in terms of when and where do we come back together. And I think that's what's great about having an environment like the office that you can leverage. Um, but yeah, on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, we can do our job pretty effectively uh, from, from a lot of different places. We, we had on the show recently another sort of a 
real estate tech related company out of Northern Virginia. And um, he was like, I hire everywhere. He was like, I find talent now. He was like, that's a good thing with COVID. He's like, I find talent. You mentioned, I think he mentioned Colorado to everywhere all across the world. And it's great as far as that aspect. It doesn't have to be centralized now in the DC metro area. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, I think it had universally been happening for sure prior. I think it's just opened up the notion of also people being able to go and move where they want to be. So now there's a lot of talent dispersing. And so that's why you're also seeing this rise in, uh, in distributed work and, and kind of remote hiring. Um, because yeah, you know, if you want to move to Colorado, go like, why, why not? Like, yeah. You don't, your employer doesn't have to be based there, nor, nor should it be based off of whatever you, uh, contingent upon what your job is, your scale functionality and kind of the requirements of how you're successful. So I think it's a very freeing and exciting perspective. Similar to what you described from uh, the, last, uh, the last interview, which is, yeah, like the assumption and the hope is that both the employer and the employee are happier, which is a win for everyone. Speaking about team, how, how big is your team now? And, you know, it's important surrounding yourself with the right team members and the right people. How are you finding them and the talent? Yeah, it's a, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, that's a challenge, right? When you're built, when you're a small organization, a, a startup, you know, fit is almost as important as experience, as important as skills, important of all of these things. And if you don't have, if it doesn't align with the mentality, it's not going to be successful for anyone. And they're just not going to be happy and the organizations aren't going to be happy. So I think we spend a lot of time on that. Um, you know, we do normal channels online, um, but we do spend a lot of time interviewing and going through that process um, to really understand not only this, the competency level, but also the fit level. Um, we just don't have that luxury based on our size, which is a little less than 20 people right now on a full-time basis um, to be able to have, um, yeah, people that just don't, just, that mutually don't align. Yeah. Do, do you have, Adam, any personal habits or traits or anything that you do on a consistent daily basis that you feel it's helped you personally for you on your own or with the business? Yeah, I definitely, I have a, I have a set routine for sure. I'm very schedule oriented in terms of my day. Um, but yeah, it just helps me and kind of organize, but I'll typically uh, um, get up early work for, uh, for a couple hours and then exercise. Um, and but it, I think, and then typically from there, I kind of get my heads down work done and then it's a lot of meetings during the day. Um, but the, I think the, the thing that I typically do most everything every morning is reprioritize what, what am I supposed to be getting done? So I have a set list of objectives and make sure either I'm crossing those off, but, if, um, but making sure I'm also crossing off the right things, right? Because if you just have a list, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mesh to what you need to be successful and what the organization needs. So I think the, heart, the, the challenge for me is making sure I'm prioritizing not only my day, but how my day fits into what I need to get done for the larger, for the larger team. Okay, I see. Well, what would you say is your biggest challenge right now at Cove? I would say, yeah, hiring is a challenge for sure. It's always right. hard to find the right people that align with, the, with kind of where we're going and also kind of assessing and understanding what you need at that moment, right? Because like today is not going to be the same as tomorrow. Um, and it's interesting being on, on, yeah, on the hiring side, it's like you, you, you kind of don't always know exactly what you want until you see it as well. And so that makes it also challenging when you're still trying to define certain roles. Um, but yeah, I think we've been super, super fortunate to have a great team. And like, that's what, as we go back to some earlier conversation, keeps me motivated. Um, but yeah, hiring is, is a challenge. It takes a lot of time and you don't know if it's going to work out well. So there's a lot of variance and variability in it. 
And so when you have like this high reward thing with a high risk, it's, it, it can be a real challenge. Yeah. Now you folks also raise capital, right? Yeah. We've raised uh, capital over the years from various, uh, various types of form or various forms of capital. So how has that been? Because I've come across certain startups or entrepreneurs who have raised capital and it's almost that's a job within themselves, make sure we have the right runway in time and also obviously sure. handling the day-to-day of the business. Sure. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's about 30% of my day, I would say is focused in some form on uh, not necessarily in the business, but thinking about how to fund the business or sure. align on that side. Um, so yeah, no, for sure. That's, that's, if that, if that's a route you're going, it, it's definitely a, it takes a, a considerable amount of time and it can have a high, high, high value. If you know, you're aligned with the right people and they're offering the right perspective on the flip side, it can just be an administrative, uh, administratively difficult. Um, but I think, you know, it's up for each individual, each organization decide what they need. We've been fortunate to have some good partners on that side and some great ones and hopefully some more in the future. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it kind of speaks to what are your objectives? Where are you going? And then, you know, who can be, it's not just the team that supports where we're going. There's other funders, advisors that kind of feed into that. And so it's kind of my job. One of my jobs is to kind of coordinate that and make sure we're focusing on the right things, but also involving the right people to help us focus on the right things. That's great. What do you know now, Adam, that you wish you would have known at the start of your business career? Start of my business career or start of Cove? Start of Cove, let's say. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think I'm shocked by the, uh, the, the general, I think it's, it's like the number one thing I've learned is, I believe it's not the concept you have. You can always tweak it, right? Like that's less important. It's the notion of like, are you going to, the perseverance behind it. Like we've been doing this, like you should sometimes give up more like, but you should give up not like, it's not always the best to continue on and like it, even in, even to make it work. But I have been shocked at like how that met, how that has played into our business and kind of our mentality and that the concept went out a long time ago, like that relation, like we can do like, that's fine. It's all the other things. It's the running a business. It's the hiring, it's the fundraising. It's all of those things and keeping those in order of prioritization at the right time and, and kind of at the right progression and less so like what we're actually doing. You mentioned just now a little earlier, as far as just continuing in that, that, that perseverance, uh, how, how would you know as far as when to call it quits or does quits even quit even exist as far as when you have your own business? Yeah, I, I think it, it, it's hard because you don't think in terms of that. It's kind of like when you're on a path, it's hard to, at least for me, to realize there's an alternative path. Mm-hmm. And again, that's not necessarily a good thing, but you get pretty focused and dialed in. You're like, no, no, no we're going to figure this out because there's a solution for it. Um, but I think that's, yeah, that's specific to the, uh, yeah, I don't know when the right moment to call it quits is. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people have obviously, uh, it doesn't align for everyone and, you know, we've definitely had some downs and ups in every which way. So, uh, in its entirety, like I wouldn't change this for anything, um, from everything I've learned and the people I've been fortunate to work alongside, but it is definitely particular and, and not and you have to have a certain appetite for that high variance on a day-to-day and monthly basis. What advice would you give someone who just wanted to start off their new business? Um, I would talk to other people that have done it and really understand what motivates them versus 
the, the other people as well as what motivates you to start that business? Is it some sort of financial reward? Is it some sort of, is it an idea? Is it the collaboration? Whatever it is, like making sure you have a clear rationale um, so that you know what keeps you motivated and, and what keeps you excited because there's, a, there's definitely a strong grind component to it. And it's not, nothing really, some people does, but for the most part on, on the norm, it doesn't happen overnight. So you gotta, you gotta keep, in, keep in the forefront and in the back, back of your mind, you know, why you're doing it not just what you're doing. That's true. What would you say is your biggest challenge today with your role at Cove? Evolving with the business. So I think we have, uh, you know, each day has new challenges and new opportunities and, um, and just, you know, what, going back to that prioritization, what, where, where can I be most useful and most effective for our organization and making sure I'm keeping up not only with my prioritization, but also the skills to support us, right? What I needed when we opened our first location and to do from a, from a day-to-day perspective is very different from now and also going to be very different from a month from now. But if I'm not doing what I need to be doing, then I'm not living up to my um, kind of the promise to the team and kind of my role in supporting in my role in kind of quarterbacking and, and driving the organization from an overall, overall operation and growth perspective. Adam, when you, when you hear the word success, what do you think of or who do you think of? Um, I think of Apple just as a product. I think they've just been successful in every which way they do it and continue to do it. Not always, obviously. There's been ups and downs from, but it's just a fascinating product that resonates with so many people and in so many different ways. So for me, I think success can be defined in a lot of which ways, but remaining relevant and just like delivering on your promise is so, so incredible and so hard to find. And now every time, you know, I think Apple has done that and I continue to buy Apple products, even though they're maybe more expensive than other products, just because they deliver on that promise and you just feel, you feel like you have a great experience with it. Uh, yeah. Great experience using it. So I think I would define success as that, or at least that's what comes to mind. That they have done a great job with their branding and marketing. Definitely. Yeah, totally. Do you have any mentors that have helped you along the way? And if so, what comes to mind as far as what have you learned from them? Sure. Uh, definitely have had mentors, sought them out, probably should seek them out more. Um, and also not only mentors, but peers and kind of leaning in on that experience and kind of going back to if you're going to start a business, starting with talking to people that have also started a business to understand what motivates them, the ups and downs. Um, I think the things that... You, it's kind of, you know, no one person has all the answers. So it's finding the right people that can help support and kind of unlock uh, certain areas and kind of how do you piece that together creates kind of an overall important perspective and in terms of kind of guiding my, guiding my thought process. Um, But yeah, I I think um, there's great, there's incredible people out there and there's something to learn from everyone, which is awesome. So every conversation I go into, my objective is to learn something and make myself you know, uh, more informed, whether it's from a user or a partner or just uh, any sort of relationship. So I, not pinpointing any specific one, but definitely I'm always on the, on the lookout for, um, for guidance and support that can help me in my day to day. That's good. What, what does the future look? What's the vision or the next five years look for Co? Yeah, just worried about the next five minutes. Uh, <laughs> so I can't, can't Every five minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, No, I think it's exciting. It's fun. I mean, we're building, I think I'm really excited about where we're going. I know I am. And 
we're building a great product and just a great tech enabled experience. Um, and yeah, just the really connecting the dots on, on technology and real estate and bringing people to the forefront. I think the beauty of, of real estate is that it's very people heavy and people intensive and that's where the value is. So not only from your colleagues, um, but the people that operate the buildings and the people you see on a daily basis, that's, that's what we miss and that's what we want. So I'm excited for us to be a part of that story and use our technology and kind of the service side of our business to bring those things to the forefront. You were mentioned earlier, Adam, in Q1 or Q2, you're going to be rolling out some new things. <clears throat> yeah. Is that a different type of product or software? Uh, no. Yes. Yeah. So we have a different, we're also in multifamily. So we're in commercial. We're rolling out a number of different markets in the multifamily, kind of giving that tech enable experience to uh, multifamily residential and yeah, just excited to, to kind of learn from our new partners and new, new clients there and how we can optimize that experience. Um, and also take over some of our learnings from the commercial side, uh, commercial office side and apply it to the residential world. Um, and then vice versa. So I think it just becomes this notion of, uh, light, you know, live and work and all of the, no the idea of things being mashed up a little bit more because of our flexibility and technology. So how can we support them both simultaneously? Sure. So in the multifamily area, I guess the owners are now dedicating an area or are you just coming in as far as just bringing in tech with all the different amenities, whether on site yeah. or nearby or what, what exactly? <clears throat> yeah. From that perspective, it's putting kind of the day and the, in the experience of the building in the user's hands or in the resident's hands. So if I want to unlock doors, if I want to make amenity reservations, if I need real time help, register guests, um, do everything you kind of want to do from a, from a day-to-day -day perspective, but also be able to communicate from an owner or operator perspective with your residents in real time. Um, so just making it more seamless, the things we kind of expect from consumer-driven products, um, applying that to real estate in a very real way. So in that scenario, Adam, they're logging into the co platform, or I guess, does that asset have their own platform and you're just sort of just managing the back end? Yeah. Uh, so we're managing the front and back end, okay. but it's up to, it's, you know, asset specific, whether you want to be co-branded or if it wants to be owner branded or mm -hmm. asset branded, really what's the experience you're trying to create and how do you want that brand to resonate with the people that come through the doors? Okay. Prior to this, what were landlords doing then? Uh, on, so there's some, you know, there's a lot of pens, you know, pen and paper. There's a lot of <laughs> wow. more. Yeah. But, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's kind of like more systematic and not necessarily bad, just a little bit less efficient. And there's also a lot of email traffic. So doing a lot of things in email and we can streamline it. And then there are some technology systems um, that people have rolled out, you know, relatively recently. Um, we just have a, a different take, we think, and really bringing people to the forefront and kind of layering that on top of it. Um, but yeah, it's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of real estate that is still that, yeah, is just hasn't modernized in the ways we think it, it can and should. And so I think that's, what's really exciting for everyone. Yeah. So when you're not busy working on code, what do you like to do in your free time for fun? Uh, free time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Does that exist? Yeah, I, sometimes we're uh, we we're big beach goers in our family, so we like to go to the beach. Um, and outside of that, generally, uh, I like when when given the opportunity, enjoy cooking. It's all a lot of fun um, in in different environment and kind of just uh, experimenting and having a lot of fun around that. So um, 
yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy, but uh, generally just try to create a, a, a pretty uh, variant day that, yeah, that allows for a lot of different things to happen, hopefully. So now that the weather's turning, are, are you thinking of spending the whole summer or those months somewhere in the beach? Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to. Uh, we'll see, though. Yeah. It's, uh, D.C. in the summer is really hot. So, it's very humid. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it makes it a challenge. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think with the, you know, there's a lot of issues now, obviously, in, on travel. And so being careful there, and, but also be able to um, be able to take advantage of, of being able to work from anywhere is very helpful as well. Where would you head to if you had to stay in the States? In the States, um, I think we'd, we'd probably go uh, during the summer, you know, you can go anywhere, which is sure. great because the North Boston, there's some great beaches around the area. Maine is awesome. Huge fan of Maine. Love the coastline and kind of the, the, the way in which uh, it integrates with the rocks. Um, so yeah, we'd probably go North and spend some time up there um, on the beaches and kind of the more coastal, some of the more coastal uh, areas of Maine. Do you still have a lot of family around Boston? Yeah, absolutely. My, my parents still live up there. Uh, my siblings have dispersed, but uh, yeah, definitely have some family up there. Sure. But it sounds like uh, DC is going to be home for a long time for you. Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, now you fans. can go anywhere, right? Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Uh, you totally can. Uh, so I think, yeah, it's freeing in that sense, but we're a fan. I'm a fan of DC and, uh, don't anticipate leaving uh, anytime soon from, uh, from a resident perspective. Maybe you, you see all these people and I'm sure you've seen everyone's supposedly fleeing New York city or whatever, all these major Metro hubs and heading down to South Florida or Austin or whatever it may be. Um, so you never know. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I think hopefully we'll, people will find what's right for them and it, and it works out. Sure, definitely. So coming to an end here, Adam, where can people, if they want to find out more about you and Cove and what you guys are doing, where can they reach out or website or anything like that? Yeah, great. Um, our website is uh, cove.is. Um, so check us out, uh, learn more about our products, kind of our offering. And um, yeah, we, uh, we always love feedback or any questions. So reach out to us through there. Awesome. Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Otto. Appreciate it. Of course. Everybody. My pleasure. Take care. Everybody. Bye. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you, and I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.